Uh, and let me remind it, you of it in Matthew 5.21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, all six of these examples start with this formula, you shall not murder. That was the sixth of the Ten Commandments. Then he says, anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Verse 22, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So we saw last week that this surpassing righteousness, this living differently, means that we're not different only in action, but different in thoughts and attitudes. That the commandments, he say, go deeper than just, okay, I hadn't killed anybody, I'm good to go, I am a great person. He says, no, I'm looking at your heart today. God's looking at our hearts today. And God wants to see that righteousness deep within our hearts that even our thoughts don't reflect anger that would want to kill somebody. So we've got to deal with our hearts for this surpassing righteousness. Okay, now today we're going to look at the second example. It's very much like the, the first one. And so it, it says, beginning in verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. So he goes from the sixth commandment to the seventh commandment. And now in just a moment, he's going to tell us that this commandment goes deeper than the actions. You may say, I hadn't committed adultery. Oh, I'm good to go. But he's saying it's going to go deeper than that. But before we get to the main point, I've got to just pause here a moment and talk about the act itself. Because frankly, um, sad to say, I find that more and more people who say they're Christ followers, say that they're Christians, are confused about or in denial about the action of the commandment itself. Uh, and so, folks, we just, we just need to, this is pretty basic. If you've been a mature Christian for a while, you're going to say, why do we need to cover this? Well, because I'm hearing more and more of this confusion. So let me just share with you. Folks, the Bible says that adultery is wrong. Adultery is a sexual intimacy outside of marriage. You see, here's God's plan for marriage. God's plan for sexual intimacy is that it's a wonderful gift to be enjoyed but in, within the covenant relationship of one man and one woman in marriage. There's a whole book of the Bible called Song of Solomon or Song of Songs that celebrates the attraction between a man and a woman in a marriage relationship, celebrates sexual intimacy, celebrates that good gift. But anything outside of that relationship in marriage between one man and one woman, any sexual intimacy outside of that relationship is wrong. It's sin. If you are married and you're intimate with another person, it's called adultery in the Bible. If it's before you're married, premarital sex is called fornication in the old translations or immorality in most of the new translations. But any relationship outside of a man and a woman in marriage where there's sexual intimacy, that act is wrong. Uh, and there's more and more confusion. People, Christians are trying to rationalize. Oh, but, well, that marriage was dead, or he, they really hadn't been a couple for years, and so it wasn't. And, and folks, you just got to gotta see the, the plain truth, the commandment. I'll tell you a story uh, from just a few months ago. I had a guy who was about my age who met me at the Welcome Center on the way out from service and uh, said, uh, I'd like to join your church. And I said, great, we'd love for you to join our church. There are two requirements for membership in our church. Repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ and baptism by immersion is a sign of that repentance and faith. And he said, I've done those things and I want to join. I said, great. And he said, and my girlfriend who lives with me wants to come forward and join with me too. And I said, well, you can't do that. We're not going to sanction that in membership because you haven't repented. Repentance means that you have 
confess that sin and turn from it. And if you're still living together with her, so you, you, I'm, I won't embarrass you if you come forward, but I'm not going to present you for membership. And he said, well, you got a lot of other people who are members who are sinners too. And I said, yes, sir, that's right. He said, you don't ask them if they're gossips or if they're whatever when they come forward. I said, no, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says that sexual immorality is a disqualifier for membership. Corinthians had a whole lot of problems. But you see, this is an open sin. And if it's an open defiant sin, which is what you're being, that disqualifies you from membership. It has to be repentance. I said, besides deeper than that, it's more than membership. If you, you say you're a Christian, a Christ follower, then you got to live differently. And he said, so you're telling me I'm not welcome in this church. I said, no, sir, you're welcome. I hope you'll come every Sunday. And I hope you and your girlfriend will sit here and listen to the preaching of the Word of God. And I pray it'll convict you that you'll repent of your sin and you'll begin to live differently as a follower of Christ. So this went on for about 15 or 20 minutes just a couple of months ago. So what I'm saying to you, I got to deal with this commandment first because a lot of people who say we're Christ followers don't get it. It doesn't matter how prevalent it is. I know that 72% of millennials say that it's a good idea to live together before marriage. That is the common thought. I understand that. But we don't live the way everybody else lives. We've got to live the way our king said to live, our Lord says to live. And so he says live differently. Okay, so the commandment is, verse, uh, in, in verse 27, you've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. Now let's go beyond the action. And Jesus says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So now he says, for those of us who might be self-righteous and say, hey, I've never committed adultery. Then he says, then look at your heart because the, the commandment goes beyond the action to the depth of your heart. And just as anger uh, is prohibited by the command not to murder, so lust is prohibited by the command not to commit adultery. And so there, as he had said in the Beatitudes, we're looking for purity in heart. So we got to examine our thought life today and, and our hearts. Now, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean when it says that, that lust uh, is the sin of adultery, that the temptation is sin or that the thought is sin. You can't control the thoughts that come into your mind too well. That, that's pretty hard to do, right? For example... Nobody think of an elephant right now. Nobody, don't think of an elephant. No one in this room think of an elephant. Pretty hard to keep that thought out of your mind, right? You got the elephant in your mind. The thought is not the sin, but how you respond to that thought, that entertaining that thought, that becomes a sin. Pornography, a huge problem with guys. Guys, and it's talking about the visual here, and guys are wired um, where we're attracted um, Primarily visually. Women, perhaps some, but not as much. God has made us differently. And so pornography becomes, even more for guys, a huge problem. And Christian guys, we got to hear this commandment here that he's saying that you've sinned in your heart and that, and that lust through pornography. And so what he says in the next verse is, look at verse uh, uh, 29. So he tells us to take radical action. So if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, we talked about in the sermon before, in the introductory sermon, when we began this series about hyperbole, that Jesus uses deliberate exaggeration to make a point. And what Jesus is calling for here is not self-mutilation, 
but he's calling for radical action because of the great danger of sin in our lives, specifically the sin of lust. And, and, and so he's saying, you, you may need to cut off some friendships that are leading you down that path. You may need to change some relationships. You definitely need to cut off some media that is causing you to sin. And so you, you take action in your life because of the danger of, of lust. You take action to uh, not go to those websites, not, not read those books, not watch that media that is going to lead you into sin. Because he says in this radical action verse, it's better... To lose one part of your body, then your whole body be thrown into hell. Again, Jesus is talking about hell. We saw it last week, and here he is talking about it again. Jesus says that hell is real. And he says that in the, the, uh, there's going to be a resurrection of both the living and dead, and bodily to be thrown into hell. And you might say, preacher, are you saying that if I uh, lust, if I watch pornography, uh, that uh, I'm in danger of hell? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. We're all going to hell. We are doomed because of our sin. We're in a mess. And, and Jesus says radical action is needed there. Jesus talks about the eye. And again, guys, let me talk to you. He's talked to a lot of guys. I want to skip ahead to the, uh, in the sermon to talk about the importance of the eyes. Look ahead. We'll see this later on. But let's look ahead. In Matthew 6, and 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So th this sermon, Jesus is going to talk a lot about your eyes and, and, and what you see and what you watch and what you read and what uh, visually you allow into your life because he says it affects your heart. So we're trying to have righteousness that's pure in heart. And so our eyes are key to our heart because your eye is like the doorway uh, to your soul, he's saying. So you've got to guard your eyes uh, and those things that you watch. And it says to, to Christian young women then, you, when you understand the power of the visual, the way God has wired men, then you want to dress attractively but not seductively. And if you don't know the difference between the two, ask your dad. That's why God gave you a dad. That's right. He knows. He's wired that way. And you ask your dad. If you don't have a dad, you ask some other Christian man so that you, you'll know and you, you'll have that understanding. So, so I want to sum this up. I want to give you five statements that briefly summarize what, what I'm saying to you about Christian sexual ethics, okay? Number one. God's plan for sexual intimacy is it's to be enjoyed in the relationship between one man and one woman in marriage. Sexual intimacy is beautiful. It is good. God created it. It's good. God's good gift. There's a whole book of the Bible that celebrates it. Matthew 19, chapter 19, verse 4 through 5, Jesus said, From the beginning God made them male and female, that a man should leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's God's plan for sexual intimacy, and he will bless you as you follow that plan. Number two, sexual intimacy outside of the marriage relationship is sin. 
Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20. You still got that statement before you there. Let me read this to you. Listen to it. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? Flee sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. And so this sexual sin is dangerous and will send you to hell. Again, let me read to you 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10. Listen to it. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Number three, God loves sinners. God loves people who use pornography. God loves homosexuals. God loves adulterers. God loves people involved in immorality. God loves you, no matter what you've done. He loves you more than that person is telling you that they love you to try to get you into an illicit relationship. God has a deeper love for you than anyone else. And he loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you because he loves the worst of sinners. And you can be forgiven of any sin if you'll repent and believe in Jesus. I read that list to you in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Now let me read to you the next verse, verse 11. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And if you'll repent and believe in Jesus, you can be free from guilt and condemnation. Romans 8.1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, you may have been involved in sexual sin in your past, or you may be in the present. And if you'll repent right now, the blood of Jesus will cover that, and you don't have to feel guilty about that anymore. God makes you feel guilty to lead you to repentance. After repentance, if you feel guilty, it's the devil. It's false repentance, and you need to rebuke that. So you don't need to feel guilty. You don't need to have any sense of condemnation, no matter what you've done in your past. If you are in Christ Jesus, you're clean. You have secondary virginity. You have second start in your marriage. The consequences will still be there if you have uh, had consequences in other in relationships. But you're forgiven. So I just want to speak that over you today. Some of you are living with false guilt from past sin, and you don't need to do that. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want to say to you in the name of Jesus, you're loosed from that guilt. You're free from that by the blood of Jesus and by your confession and repentance. And you need to live in that purity and in that victory. Number four, when you receive Jesus and begin to follow him, you must live differently. You must be different in thoughts or attitudes as well as actions. That's what we've just seen in this passage. Jesus said, you've heard that it said, do not commit adultery. I say to you, man who looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery with her in his heart. So what do you do? If you're a Christian here today and you're involved in pornography, you're involved in a, an affair, you're involved in, other, in premarital sex, you start where you are. You can't start where you're not, so you start where you are. 
Today needs to be the day in your life. This needs to be a dividing line. If you're serious about it, you need to start living differently today. You confess your past sin. Even as a Christian, you have failed in this area. The Bible says a righteous man falls, but he gets back up. So you get up. And you just need to say today, you need to break off that affair. You need to call. You don't need to see that person again. You need to call. Say, I'm a different person. This is a new day. We're not going to do this anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to live in the truth and purity from here on. Need to call. Pornography today, need, you need to say, by the help of God, it's going to end. You may fall back into sin, but you get up. If a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. Today needs to be the day that you make a fresh start. You can't begin where you're not. You can begin where you are. Wherever you are, need to begin today to live differently. So that's what we're about in this Lord's Supper. You confess your sins and begin to live differently. 1 John 1, 9 says, If you'll confess your sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins and will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then number five, take radical action to stop or avoid sexual sin in your life. It's serious. The world doesn't think it's serious. The world thinks it's normal. We believe God rather than the world. And so he said, if your hand offends you, cut it off. Your eye offends you, gouge it out. That means I'm serious about this. I got to get away from some websites. or I got to get away from, from some, some relationships that always end up in that kind of thing. I got I to take radical action in my life. You may say, this is the strangest way to have the Lord's Supper I've ever heard. Well, let me tell you what it's about. This is a time where we get serious, where we confess our sin, we claim the blood of Jesus, we look at our righteousness, and it goes deeper than our actions. It goes to our hearts and our thoughts. And that's what we're about. We're proclaiming ourselves to be a different people in Jesus Christ. It's a time to examine, to look, to start, to confess, to live differently, because we're overwhelmed by the love and grace of God. In Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite our deacons to come forward. We're going to serve the Lord's Supper. If you're a guest with us, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you've a baptized believer in Christ, you're welcome to join us at the Lord's table. We all together in heaven. This symbolizes a little part of that. Where all denominations and all Christians are going to be together in heaven. Would you bow with me as they're assembling for our prayer over the Lord's Supper? Father, We come now to lay our lives bare before you, our, even our thoughts. And we ask that we might be forgiven of our sin, freed from guilt, that the blood of Jesus would be like a cleansing agent that washes over us. And we pray we'll have the power of the Holy Spirit to make a new start, that we will honor you with our lives. So, oh Lord, we want to draw near to you. We want to confess our sin. We want to receive your forgiveness. We want the power to live differently. In the name of Jesus, amen.